0: Uh, didn't really have a relationship
1: with her husband.
0: Her Um, husband was God. Her husband was God, yes. So I think she would have made a great (laughs) number.
1: Welcome to Psycho Cinematic, a podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular film and TV. I am your host, Stephanie Fanasia. Please note that this episode contains discussions of suicide and domestic abuse. If this episode brings up anything for you, Lifeline is available on one Beyond Blue on 1300 22 4636, and 1800RESPECT on 1800 737 732. Welcome audience to a very special episode of Psycho Cinematic, focusing on the film, but also the novel, and just recently play Looking for Ella Brandy. This was originally going to be a bonus episode, but due to popular request, I decided, all right, I'll put it on the main. It's just me for a while, and then you will be given the pleasure and privilege of hearing an interview with Franco Fanesia, who also happens to be my father, about how he relates to Looking for Ella Brandy as a movie and as a play. But first I'll take you through my experience of Looking for Ella Brandy. Looking for Ella Brandy was an Australian novel by Melina Marchetta. It was written in 1992 and was adapted into a film in 2000, starring Pierre Miranda, Anthony LaPaglia, Greta Scacci, and Australian King Bert Newton's son, Matthew Newton. We've wiped him from the register as he's turned into an awful wife beating prick as an adult. It was directed by Kate Woods, who was a TV director, and it's the only movie that she actually did. But it was critically acclaimed and won the Australian Film Institute Award for Best Film in 2000. We all had to watch the movie and read the book at school. But I also loved it, so I was okay with it. Furthermore, recently, the Malthouse Theatre in Melbourne hosted the Belvoir Street Theatre's production of Looking for LeBrandy through July this year. Written by Vidya Rajan and directed by Stephen Nicolazzo and starring Shanella Macri as Josephine Alabrandi. It was its first adaptation for the stage and was given quite high praise. I had been thinking about seeing the play for a while and then after a rave review by Carly Finlay demanded that my family go with me to see it. Looking for Alabrani always spoke to me in high school, not just because of the excellent Australian music in it. There was Spiderbait, Lotel's Teenager of the Year, how could you forget, Magic Dirt and of course Silverchair in their absolute prime. It's a story of a young Italian girl trying to fit in, navigating her family and cultural expectations with life as a teenager, dealing with rich bullies, falling in love, and trying to do well at school while being constantly pegged as the screw-up. I'll take you through the plot from Wikipedia, but with my own spin on it. Looking for Alabrandi begins lightheartedly and conveys Josie's character through her interactions with friends and family. However, the optimism initially associated with Josie fades as she struggles to cope with her final year of school, including the racist attitude of one girl in particular, Carly Bishop, the suicide of her crush, John Barton, and the meeting with Michael Andretti, her absent father, who has only just learned of her existence upon returning to Sydney for work. She's also in continual conflict with her grandmother, Katia Alibrandi. However, these complications are seemingly resolved quickly in keeping with Josie's brusque and forthright outlook on life. For example, in response to Carly's frequent snide remarks, she breaks her tormentor's nose with a history textbook. It is this drastic act that brings her father back into her life. Another complication, the suicide of her close friend and unrequited crush, John Barton, tests her resilience. Struggling with her grief, she finds some comfort from Jacob Coote, an apparent bad boy... He turns out to be a sincere and caring person. The most significant complication and challenge for Josie is her rocky relationship with her father. When they finally get to know each other and recognise themselves in each other, their rift heals and she can confide in him. And here's my spin. The biggest revelation, however, is when Josie discovers a long-buried secret that her nonna, Katya, had an affair with an Australian man, Marcus Sanford, when she first moved to Australia and was left here alone with her husband gone much of the time. Therefore, Josie's mum, Christina, was born of the affair, a fact that was hidden from the family, but Katya decided was a curse that lands on all Alibrandi women for the rest of time. Katya's husband, an abusive man, cast Christina, her subsequent daughter, out of the house when Christina was pregnant with Josie as a teenager, which Katya also attributes to quote-unquote, the curse. Discovering this fact explains the angst and shame surrounding her family. And yes, you heard it, folks, the intergenerational trauma. And Josie demands Katia tell Christina the truth so they can all move on closer together. While I only related a little bit to the Italianness of it, because my family was not anywhere near as close to our Italian side as Josie was, I related hard to the feeling of not fitting in not knowing where I belonged and trying desperately to find my place in the world. In primary school, I was this short, overly emotional, shy kid with an anxiety disorder on top of that. And I got bullied a fair bit. In high school, I struggled to fit it, as we all do. And while I ended up developing a solid group of friends who were bound together by being sort of the quirky yet extremely uncool, nerdy types, I was the girl with the weird music taste, the back brace and the teeth braces. I wasn't quite a theater kid, wasn't a Christian kid, wasn't as smart as the nerds in my friend group. So I kind of floated a bit. So that feeling of trying to find your place is very much, you know, that's always been a theme in my life, Um, especially in Brisbane and, you know, trying to make friends and trying to find your people. I feel like Melbourne, I found my people a little bit um, more. And that's not to say that my Brisbane friends are also my people, but I love my Brisbane friends as well, but I feel like I've always struggled to find my place. Uh, And it's something I think I found as an adult. I also loved Josie and Christina's relationship. They are so close. They're almost best friends at times rather than mother and daughter. But they fight and they tiff and they have tension like mothers and daughters do. They have a really strong connection in the movie. There's really um, quite good tension there. And in the play, it's quite evident as well. And finally, the big thing in the film, the mental health flag, is the suicide of John Barton. Pushed into someone he doesn't want to be by his political rich family, with strong hints that he's likely closeted and definitely, definitely depressed. He takes his life, throwing Josie's life into chaos. She reacts in a hugely relatable way, speaking to the stress of year 12 life. She says, did he not think that I didn't get depressed and feel like killing myself? How dare he? She also adds, because everyone knew who his father was. His death proves to Josie that it's not about who is in your life or how much money you have, how much power you have, how much you're deemed to fit in that makes you belong. It's who you are, the quality of those people in your life. Being able to open up to those people of who you truly are and being true to yourself. That's what helps you belong. And the depiction of his suicide was in my eyes, pretty respectful, not really glorifying and appropriately devastating. It is a shame that Matthew Newton grew up to be such a shit adult, poor Patty and Bert. I don't wanna say too much more about Looking for Ella Brandy, other than if you're an Australian millennial who went to school in the 2000s, then you definitely watched this movie or read this book so most of us would probably feel the same way I do. But while I didn't relate to Josie's experiences of growing up in a strong Italian community in Australia, I do know someone who might. And that is, as I said before, my dad, Papa Franco, an Italian man who grew up in Mount Gravatt, Brisbane, in the 50s and 60s, with an extremely religious Roman Catholic mother and a cold, unaffectionate father. I asked if he would let me interview him. And to my delight, he said yes. So I'll pass over to our conversation in which I fire questions at Franco and he answers them. I did give him the questions beforehand, so you'll notice that we jump around a little bit, but the messages are there. I feel very privileged that my dad let me talk to him about this and that he's okay with me sharing this with the world. And it's definitely opened up a a dialogue about some things in his background and in our family that hopefully we can continue having. Enjoy. You are right? You're Mm -hmm. good to start? Okay, Mm -hmm. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we record this podcast today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I wish to pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that this is and always will be Aboriginal land. And I have with me Daddy Franco aka Frank Fanasia. How are you feeling, Dad? I'm feeling good. Thank you. That's good. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about looking for Alibrandi because we went and saw the play a few weeks ago now and you've seen the movie, haven't you? I have. Yes. Have Did you read the book? No. Because you, no. you're a, a generation that didn't have the book to read at school, which is my generation.
0: No, I never read the book. In fact, I didn't even know that there was a
1: book. Malina Macheta <laughs> read the book. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, I should also get you just to introduce yourself. Like, tell us a little bit about you.
0: Okay, well, I am 66 years old. <laughs> I'm retired, living in Melbourne, come from Brisbane about 18 months ago to be with my family and grandson.
1: And what were you doing before you retired? Uh,
0: I was an engineer in water and sewage, working in local government mainly. Um, most of my life, working life, i experienced with shit and water.
1: <laughs> and funnily enough, there's a noise in this, in this room that will come through in the recording, probably, which sounds a little bit like a toilet draining or something.
0: But it's just a washing machine.
1: Um, so back to looking for other brandy, first of all, what did you think of the play?
0: Um, oh yeah, the play was good, it was entertaining, I actually prefer the movie yeah i think yeah because the movie was a bit lighter and a bit more um engaging had better actors um the play was a bit grittier i think Mm. um but maybe perhaps truer to life the play might have been a bit more Mm. yeah less movie magic less movie magic yeah Mm. good
1: soundtrack too
0: yeah 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 (laughs) i seem to recall but that same song at the end that was in the play too wasn't it tintarella di luna yeah
1: yeah it was it was yeah. in the movie too yeah. yeah yeah how was what did you think of the depictions of like being italian in the play like did, was that accurate
0: i think yeah i think they seemed pretty well true to life um but um, i mean my experience of, of being italian or you know growing up in yeah, in australia well, a, different because everyone's a little bit different. Yeah. My experience is, you know, having a a very, um, what's what's the right word, Uh, overprotective mother Mm -hmm. and a similar sort of father, very standoffish, very hard to, there was was never any um, warmth between me and my father at all. He's very, not a very happy man, I don't think. Mm. in life, and and apparently the, uh, you need to understand a little bit about your grandfather
1: yeah yeah that's, <laughs> he, that's he um what he
0: do. he he came to australia when he was a young man and then went back to italy married my mother and then he came back to australia she came back to australia 11 years later after the war with lou my brother
1: so did he marry nonnie Yes. She, they, conceived they conceived Uncle Lou.
0: Uncle Lou in Italy.
1: And he immediately t- returned to Australia. To Australia. And, and then lived, worked. Yes. By himself.
0: Yeah, oh, he she, did different things, yeah.
1: And she parented... Uncle Lou by herself in Italy. Yeah. But in the village.
0: In the village, yeah. And she's got terrible stories of the Germans during the war. She hates Germans because they're really
1: Was she impacted that like did were they in her village? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they they were yeah, she said they were really horrible. um, Mm. nasty. Um, So it would have
1: been very traumatizing. Very, very
0: traumatic for her and probably for young Lou too.
1: And I think, I'm not sure if it was your mum who told me that, that your dad picked out Nonnie out of a picture, but he actually picked the wrong, a yeah. different
0: that's, that's sister? The, that's the story, yes, <laughs> that we've been told.
1: Did Nonnie say that or did your dad say that? Or who told I you think, that I story? I think mum, yeah. Oh. yeah. If, whether it happened or not, she lived her marriage thinking that she was second choice. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, perhaps you could look at it that way. <laughs> Yeah, one of these questions you ask is, is there a possibility of, what is it, Marcus? Yeah. Stan- Sanford? Marcus Sanford. Yeah, no, I can't conceive at all my mother having, having, an affair. having an affair or even being remotely interested in any other man because I don't think she was very interested in my father at all either.
1: So what, what was marriage like then? Because from what it seems in looking for Ella Brani, like there wasn't a lot of love between the nonna and... Her husband, and he was an awful man. It's, it seems like there's yep. some parallels between yep. Yep. my nono and and even though I've never met him, yep. <laughs> it seems weird saying that. C-
0: called him Pop.
1: Pop. Yeah. And the one in Looking Fella Brandy, who's since died.
0: Yes. Seems it's probably
1: okay. another sort of marriage of like this is just what you're doing. you do, and you pick your bride, and then you come and make it in Australia. Is that sort of...
0: That seems to be the way, yeah, why it happened.
1: Was that what happened to a lot of couples? Did anyone sort of marry for love?
0: Um, Look, I I couldn't honestly say that because I'm not aware of any of my mother or father's friends who did anything similar. Mm. Because my uncle and auntie, I'm pretty sure they uh, married in Italy. Then again, yeah, Luigi, who lived down the back, Mm. I think he went back, he was in Australia, he he did something very similar, went back and found a girl to marry mm-hmm. and then brought her over mm-hmm. and they got married here. And
1: did they so, have kids and...
0: Yeah, mm. did all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I guess it is what was...
1: Sort what you did.
0: Yeah, it's what people did, make their fortune in Australia and then go get a nice Italian girl to marry, to raise your kids with. And,
1: did yeah. they? Do you know if Nonni and pop had like correspondence in that like 11 years i'm
0: not aware i'm not aware you
1: don't know of like
0: um there would have been i imagine that there was some correspondence in that 11 years yeah you'd think so but there was <laughs> m- mum never mentioned it
1: and not, nothing between probably blue no. his, his first son no so what was that Lou, Lou like...
0: met his father for the first time at you know when he Got off the boat,
1: what was their relationship like?
0: See, I never really knew Lou that much because
1: there's so many years between you. Well, there's a
0: lot of years between, and then when he was he'd done his apprenticeship as a carpenter and then he went to Cunnamulla. Oh, yeah, I, I've only got sort of vague memories of Lou when he was, um, you know, still in Brisbane. So, I, yeah, I don't think he and Pop had a, a really great relationship, I think. And Lou probably went west get away from mm-hmm. i'm just guessing that
1: was angela born not long after
0: yeah so she's six years older than me so soon after mum arrived angela was conceived and was born another question you've got down here is about how i learned english mm. well angela the story goes <laughs> angela learnt english at school she mm-hmm. went to school not being able to speak english Whereas I learnt English um, just from the playing with the kids around uh, me in the street. Brabant, in yeah.
1: the street. Yeah. So when you were born, you were like obviously the baby of the family. Yeah. What was family life, for, what were your memories of family life?
0: Pop was, he was the boss. Um, you know, he, he demanded everything happen as he wanted it and meals on the table and blah, blah, blah. And, um, I had my jobs, I used to, because we had a wood stove, I had to go and collect the wood. Mm. Um, and Angela would, um, she sort of was a bit of a protection between me and my father. Okay. Really, she sort of took care of me. Oh. as a.
1: Was she kind of a mother figure for you um, as well
0: as money? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit because, um, especially when I first went to school, I was a bit of a sook. I really didn't want to go to school in grade one. So she, she took care of me in um, in grade one. So she kind of protected me a bit at school and at home.
1: If you feel comfortable saying, what was she kind of protecting you from from your death? just
0: just just um like he he was not physically abusive but quite verbally abusive towards, um, Nonnie. I can remember, um, watermelon being thrown at her. Plates of soup and all sorts of stuff. So he, he was, he was an abusive man. Yeah. Angela was a bit of a protection against him.
1: Mm. Did she, you know, she got the brunt of it as well?
0: She, she was a bit of a staunch defender of him later in life after he died as well, Mm. but, um, you know, I'm sure she caught a bit of abuse as well, which mm. I probably wasn't aware of.
1: Mm. but he
0: um, he wasn't very fast on his feet, so he he never actually I don't can't recall him hitting me. I think he hit me once. Mm. but yeah, he was he was a very difficult man to live with. Mm. The, the story goes that um, because he he was in a mine accident, um, mm. when he came back from Italy the second time before mum came like the man that she married wasn't the same person
1: okay so, had so he had some sort of brain injury yeah that's
0: the, the thinking is that he had some sort of brain damage which you know probably wasn't diagnosed but
1: mm-hmm.
0: so he was a bit of a, a tyrant yeah was um,
1: was any of that also the expectation of how roles in the household because it sounded like Nonny um, did all the c- cooking and cleaning oh yes she did,
0: did all that um,
1: and he sort of demanded.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I just basically did whatever chores I had to do, you know, sweep mm. and d- did all, you know, washed up and dried up and just did all the kids' chores. So there was no, I never never got any modelling from my father at all. You know, the, mm. he he was not a role a role model for me at all um, on how to be a man or how to or be a a father, <laughs> how to be anything. Yeah. I, I took nothing from him. I guess from him I got um, maybe the work ethic because mm. that's probably all he had in life.
1: Is that a common Italian probably. cultural thing as well? Probably. Like you work hard to provide for your family? Yeah, yeah,
0: I think so. But he, he took it to an extreme because mm. there was there was no, very little social gatherings, very few that he was involved with.
1: Mm. So some of the stuff we've seen looking at for brandy of like the Italian passata making days and stuff wasn't what you experienced? Um, we
0: I experienced, and this was very early when we were still living at the old place, probably early 60s. Um, they used to have, and I can remember one, maybe two of these, where... They'd buy a big barrel of wine from mm. Stanthorpe and they just, um, everyone would bring their empty bottles over and just fill up the bottles of, um, of wine. Mm. And so the, the barrel was distributed that way and people would sit around and drink wine and get drunk and sing songs and mm. that was hosted by our family. But yeah, um, we never went out as a family to a restaurant or, you know, mm. out to eat or anything like that. Did you um, go
1: to church though?
0: As a family? Uh, As a family, um, I went with with Mum and Angela. The old man never went to church, Mm. except for uh, Christmas and Easter, I think he went.
1: I'm surprised he didn't go to church. But
0: he... Is that just
1: his personal...
0: I think he he certainly didn't stand in the way of Mum going, and he probably encouraged her to go. So, you know, Mm. I think in his own way, he was religious, I think, but... But not
1: quite as practicing. No, no. And for context, for listeners, nonnie was a very, very religious.
0: Exceptionally religious. The most religious person <laughs> I've ever met in my life. Uh, how
1: did that impact how you see religion? Because you're not very religious anymore.
0: Um so Religion's been a bit of a struggle for me. I mean, I was a very religious young boy. I was an altar boy and you know, did my first communion and um, was a member of the Dominic Savio Club at school and, you know, won the Christian Doctrine Awards at school. I very religious. And then after school, I continued to go to church and um, practised for some time. But then I started questioning what it's all about. And I read a lot about different religions and... and it, it's, yeah, you know, it's a big lifelong struggle just to come to grips with mm. religion. And I've, uh, yeah, basically become not an atheist, I don't think, but probably more of an agnostic. Mm. But that's taken a long time, mm. long journey.
1: I think I've grown up seeing you on that journey and it's probably influenced my journey as well because I think I came along with you to see... Like, was it Spong?
0: Yeah, John Shelby Spong. Yeah, Yeah. and his, like... His brand of Christianity. Of how
1: it needs to change or die. and And other things you've read as well.
0: Oh, I've read a bit of Deepak Chopra. Yeah,
1: and um, Christopher Hitchens.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, about atheism and all that. But John Shelby Spong, he's... um, I think he's... his reading his book was kind of pivotal for me Mm. anyway. Mm. Because um, he acknowledged that jesus was a great man and the way to god is through jesus but that, but jesus isn't necessarily god mm, so uh, yeah. yeah
1: interesting
0: yeah anyway that's we've gone all
1: <laughs> but it's it's interesting because nonny was so extremely religious and i guess that's common like for roman catholics like yeah. you know having gone to like Vatican City and seeing, you know, all of the the artwork and the expense that's put into the, mm. the Roman Catholic Church, like you can kind of understand where that comes from a bit. Did you think she was one of a kind or do you think that's quite common?
0: I think she is extreme um, because... She put all her energies into religion and her children, so whatever you know some women have some relationship with their husband, well he she didn't didn't really, ha- have, didn't really have a relationship with her husband. Her um,
1: husband was God.
0: Her husband was God, yes, so she, I think she would have made a great nun.
1: <laughs> Did she ever want to be in love?
0: I think she might have, um, but yeah. I think she married my father she instead. Had choice, yeah. yeah.
1: Did she have any choice in that decision? Oh, I'm not sure.
0: I'm Did- not sure. I, I imagine that um, she she would have been a young girl, and um, it would might have been harder for young women in Italy to become nuns. There was probably the demand to be a nun, and they probably only chose certain to be yeah. nice, I would imagine. It was a different time back then.
1: I sort of see, that, like we said before, the, the grandmother, Nonna character in Looking for Brandy similarly to Nonnie. especially like this sort of fixation on the past because I know Nani was, from what you've told me and from what I remember, she was very fixated on the past and, left, you know, her whole life was in mm. Italy, so that makes sense.
0: Oh, yeah, now she'd be telling me stories about, you know, what happened, well, during the war. And, um, you know, the villages that were around there and they'd go out into the fields and, you know, she'd tell me stories. Yeah, so she was, yeah, the past was a big part of her life. I think she she was happier as a girl than she was um, mm-hmm. with her husband.
1: And it was very much like walking into her house, it was like walking into a house in Italy, yeah, Italy in yeah. a village. Yeah. And that was always, like, whenever I'd go to her place on holidays and I'd stay a few nights or whatever, probably to get out of mum's hair. I don't, that always happened on the holidays. I remember that happening a lot and I'd just get fed dog food. It was great. It would be like going into a different time for a few Mm. days. Yeah. It was really surreal and quite homely, but also like felt very removed from reality.
0: Very removed from Australian normal life. Yeah, I mean the fact that she couldn't speak English accentuated it
1: how did that how did it never navig- how did you navigate that sort of world plus living in Australia with like Aussie um, life
0: it wasn't that hard I mean you, you grew up and you know like I was multilingual I could speak the dialect of Italian to my, my mother and father and English to the people outside and you just you know you just you just grow up that way. Mm. You know, if it happens at an early sort of age, put on
1: your Italian hat and take it off for yeah. going to school and stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't. It's it's more the language thing, but you know, I, I was the same person at school as I was at home. I think
1: was there was there freedom at home? Like, could you bring in you know punk records to your house uh, and stuff like that?
0: That was way before punk. <laughs> was
1: rock and roll <laughs> was, um, disco. <laughs>
0: I like my, I, I really, my, my love or my affection for music started with my mother. She bought with her from Italy, I think, from Italy. Um, I'm not sure if she got them here or not. But there was lots of 78 records mm. that she'd play and some um, 33s, um, the Damara Sisters, mm. which so I bought. Two of those. Yeah. Um, she she loved to sing. She liked to sing along to the songs. And, you know, I'd just sit there with her and we'd have a good time.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Is, yeah. That a, is that a fond memory?
0: Yeah, yeah. I didn't really, um, I just listened to the radio at hmm. home. Didn't start buying records until, yeah, 1970 when I was in grade 10. But, yeah, no, there was, there was never any uh, problem, like, you know, but back then it was the Beatles mm. and Simon and Garfunkel and that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, that, it was okay integrating. It was okay. Yeah, Life that. outside of. There was no, yeah. no problem that way. Um, did you
1: sort of befriend any of your like friends' mums or anything like that? Did you, have, did you ever have play dates or anything? No.
0: There's a group of Italian families around there. And then there was another, some other groups of families around New Farm and mm. West End. But yeah, so I, I never really got close to any of my Italian their friends or anything like that. No, mm. I guess my closest friend growing up would have been John, my oh, yeah. cousin. Mm. When I was young, yeah, we were we were pretty pretty close, even though he's two years older than me. But his like his um, situation was a bit different. Like his father. Like he was a he was a builder, mm. so he was out in the community. Like they they'd go down to the Glen Hotel. Like you know he, they, they were, he was a lot more gre- gregarious, and mm. you know they had more of a, a fun time. Our family was always um, staying at home. Um, money was tight because my father was on the basic wage, whereas other Italian families, you know that. They were more likely to be tradesmen, Mm -hmm. Um, so they had more disposable income. So we were a little bit...
1: More isolated?
0: Yeah, a bit more isolated, a bit more of the poor cousins sort of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Did that impact your interactions with all the other Italian families? A a little bit, yeah.
0: Because (laughs) my father was hard to get on with. My uncle and my father had this big dispute going back years about some building materials, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, so they never spoke, and my father never really spoke to many other of the um, Italian families around much either. He really coloured yeah. our existence. Yeah.
1: It sounds like similarly to Looking for Ella Brandy, there's like that sense of people will talk oh, yeah. or everyone's being judged for what kind of family they are and I know in other Italian media like um My Brilliant Friend I told you to watch it it's a HBO show oh
0: yeah okay based in
1: Naples you should definitely watch it yeah there's that theme in that as well of um you know if you're the poor family or you're a little bit richer and who you associate with it's all about how people see you Mm. was that did that sort of come into it
0: yeah a bit I mean there's certainly a lot of gossip and certainly didn't want to be seen to be doing the wrong thing mm.
1: um are they really as gossipy as they make it out to be in looking for the brandy the italian community yeah or is that a bit of a trope
0: i think probably no more than anyone other, else yeah i don't think so i mean my mother and my auntie would they'd gossip and chat for you know hours but your mother, so likes, do we. To, your mother <laughs> likes to chat and, Carry on. So you know, I, I I don't think that there's anything different, mm. particularly.
1: Did you feel like your title was a bit lonelier than others?
0: Oh, maybe a little
1: bit. Did yeah. you sort of relate to like Josie's struggles to fit in and figure out where to fit in? That yeah. Happened then with your fellow brandy. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, being um, being Italian in an Australian world at an early age. It, so, you know, you are sort of looking over your shoulder to some extent because, you know, the, the, certainly in, in our street, we were seen as the Wog family.
1: <laughs> Did Be, because the, the other
0: Italians were living on Logan Road and we were living in Fieber Street. So we were the only Italian family in that street. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. Did that change, though? Because I know there was a few Italian families who ended up living. Yeah. Did more Italians sort of move in later on? No. Oh, no, okay.
0: That. that yeah, but but those those other families, they live on Logan Road. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we'd go through to go to my yeah to go to my cousin. So we yeah we'd always <laughs> we walk through each other's yards. And all that. It was yeah I think it's probably a bit more of a struggle for um, someone growing up in a, a foreign country, mm. as it were. And you know there was a bit of racial prejudice happening. Around then, I didn't really feel it that much at school, although there were some incidents where I was called a wog and that sort of thing. But but not wasn't that bad. It was more in the street, and probably my father, being the person that he was, um, uh, he didn't really um, respond very eng- well. He didn't really engender sort of um, a feeling from the neighbours that um, made for a good relationship, yeah, as it were.
1: So it's less less about being Italian and more about the dad that you had. Probably a combination of both. Or both. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Dirty wogs.
1: <laughs> Did you get like bullied or just sort of the odd name thrown at you?
0: Yeah, not physically bullied. Yeah, just the odd name. I can remember at, at St Lawrence's, I was once. I was someone threw an orange at me and I threw it back to the wrong person and I was kind of got into a fight, but that was just. You know, life it wasn't anything to do with me being Italian because I think the guy that threw it at me was um, some other European <laughs> nationality, anyway. So it didn't matter.
1: Do you feel that Brisbane in the 60s and beyond was in like a racist place to live in, or do you think it was pretty accepting where you were? Like, was there a lot, was it quite multicultural where you grew up, where you, where you went to school and stuff, or
0: um, not? Yeah, I think it probably it was racist. It was racist. I, and but I don't think I felt it that much. But yeah, there there certainly there certainly were um, things about being Italian in an Australian society back then. It was life was a bit more difficult. Mm. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: What stopped you from feeling it as much? Do you think? I
0: don't know. Maybe my sister helped. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Did
1: she get a lot of I, I, bullying?
0: I, I'm not sure. I'll yeah. have to interview her next. Maybe you should,
1: yeah. <laughs> but, but you, you yeah. felt a bit protected from it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, the kids that I went to school with were probably maybe nicer people. I don't know. Mm.
1: Well, a lot of the, your high school friends are, you're still friends with now, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we can prove that to be correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, just back to Nonny being a bit like. I think Katya's her name, the Nonna. After rewatching Looking for Ella Brandy, the sort of punish, self-punishment that that character goes through because she created a curse in the family because she had her child Christina out of, you know, mm. a, an affair, and then when Josie came around, you know, she her dad was also through, you know, a young pregnancy not married. So she felt like there was this generational curse when the curse really was her not dealing with. Mm. That and seeing that as something to be ashamed of and the fact that when Christina had, was pregnant with Josie, she, she was kicked out of the house by the husband, by her dad and, and it sort of continued on this sense of shame and guilt and not really dealing with and seeing Josie as like a problem. Did you see any of that in... Because I feel like Nonnie was almost like obsessive in the way that Katya was. Like she worried quite a lot. From what I've been told, and what from, from yeah. uh, I remember of her, she was always very conscious of us being too cold or too, <laughs> too too hungry or whatever, or not, you know, not having enough meat in our bones, and and it, she seemed very concerned all the time. And was there any? I might might have got that wrong, but
0: no, no. I, I think I mean, there's a couple of things there. Um, there's something about being Italian and food. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you they always try to feed you up. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is an Italian thing, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, hospitality and and food and making sure that you've got plenty of food and, and the right sort of food. Um, so that, I think, is a, an a, Italian thing. Is um, that
1: because of health or is that sort of how you express th- comfort and love for yeah, family I think, life? I th-
0: yeah, I think that that latter, the latter thing you said, it's probably, yeah, family life and yeah, part of the good things in life is eating and, you know, and, and it probably, for my family as well, for my mother and father, it's because, you know, they were very poor in Italy. So, you know, it's very important to be mm. to, to, to eat a lot, you know, eat the right food and because if you weren't eating properly, you weren't healthy and you weren't able to work and mm-hmm. if you can't work, then you can't get money and, you know, so... It's, it's all a vicious cycle. It's a bit of a vicious cycle. But, yeah, I think it, it, it is... Uh, an Italian thing, but your grandmother was, took it to an extreme, I think. Um, and she certainly was a warrior. Mm. Um, she was, she was obsessive with food and the weather, even when it was hot, you'd have to take a jumper, you know, it was, <laughs> and, and again, like you know, Italy, the, the winters in Italy and the mm. village was very. Very cold, so that all came out of that. Um, I think there's a certain thing called Catholic guilt, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this it's more related to the Catholic guilt than the Italian thing. Yeah, because yeah, you, see you'd see the same sort of stories being told by you know Irish Catholics and yeah any any other Catholics. That I think there is a real thing about. Catholic guilt. And it probably goes back to even original sin, Mm. (laughs) you know.
1: Because we're all sinners, right? (laughs) Because
0: we're all sinners, that's right. And that was the one good thing, one of the good things John Shelby Spong said. It's all this um, uh, redemption stuff, it's all bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's just about the Catholic Church and
1: getting uh, you to give them money trying try to, trying
0: to keep control of people yeah
1: yeah
0: it's it's all very controlling
1: mm.
0: but anyway that's got but, nothing to do with italians
1: but she obviously very much believed <laughs> oh, yeah. that oh yeah, yeah. Mm.
0: so she n- neither her or my father were, were educated very well he might have gone to grade five and she went to grade three or something mm. she didn't really know how to spell she just wrote phonetically
1: mm. That's interesting, because I've seen, like, I remember her handwriting so well, but I just always assumed her writing in Italian was correct. But yeah. clearly, if she never was taught no. properly how to spell, it probably wasn't. Yeah. But you knew what she...
0: Oh, I, I communicated with my mother verbally. Um, yeah. Hardly ever.
1: But wrote, if she if she yeah. wrote you a card, you'd know oh, what yeah. it said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for the podcast, what dialect did Nonni speak and you speak?
0: Friulano. It's uh, the province of Friuli mm. in Italy, which is sort of in the north-western region. Quite
1: close to um, it's Venice. It's near Venice, yeah. yeah. And
0: yeah. Re- So France. I'm not sure, not sure where the Allobrandi um, uh, Italians came from. Probably more southern. I Italy. think so, but yeah. yeah.
1: It seems like regardless of where you come from, the culture is very similar. Yeah. Isn't that correct? Do you think um, that's a very baseless think, generalization from me.
0: Yeah. I, I think that perhaps the more south you go, the more um, the, the, pe- the people probably a little bit darker and shorter
1: uh, as,
0: um, and maybe a little bit more. Cause
1: closer to the s- sea, like yeah. the
0: coast. Um, more likely to be. Like the, the the mafia, I think is probably more <laughs> entrenched in the southern, southern parts. parts of Italy. I'm not saying that they're not in the northern parts of as <laughs> well, but yeah.
1: Did you have any connections? Got to ask the question. No, <laughs> was there any family connections? No, it's like asking anyone if they've got any criminal connections because there's a mafia or some sort of organised crime in every part of the world. Yeah, so I apologise.
0: No, <laughs> not that I'm aware of. Ruin. Certainly didn't benefit from any mafia connections.
1: Right. But you still love The Godfather and oh, yeah, Goodfellas. Yeah, of
0: course. They're good movies. And, and you know, like I, I can relate to the Italian wedding scenes. I've been yeah. been to a couple of Italian weddings throughout my life and, yeah, they're always good fun. Lots of food and lots of frog. And
1: but you've never stopped on, on tomatoes to make no. tomato sauce?
0: No, my mother always, she used a lot of tomato paste, but got it all from the shop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Last question. What was Nonny's pus?
0: Oh, well, well, just going back to these um, parties they used to have, the bottling parties. Years ago when, yeah, I was probably around, probably early 20s. I actually did buy a, a, a barrel of wine and put it in the bottles, and we'd take it around. And we, and you know, I, I used to drink it at parties. And I took a, a bottle of it to Janelle's place one night and gave it to her father. And he had one sip of the glass of wine and said, This is pus, Frank. <laughs> this is pus. <laughs> So from then on, that wine was called pus. Mm -hmm. And then years later, we actually got another barrel of this wine and uh, bottled it up and actually then gave it as a present to a few people, one of them being Janelle's father, and put a label on it saying this is
1: pus. (laughs) And he
0: thought that was very funny.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I wish I'd known what it tastes like. Probably tastes better than some of the wine I've drunk over my time. Oh, it's
0: probably there. cheap wine and a three-day gross. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for telling me about your life as an Italian boy.
0: That's all right. Uh, I mean, it was i had qu- quite a happy childhood, really. I hope it didn't sound too Not, um, oh, miserable.
1: It's just true and honest, yeah. and I really appreciate you sharing. So and I'm glad that you know, although you know racism's very very much rife in Australia still. But I think particularly the European side of things this is very much integrated. Yeah. Know, particularly Melbourne. Like, yeah, yeah. The Italian yeah. and Greek community is yeah. very. You yeah. Know, it's good that things have improved a little bit.
0: Yeah. Growing up, I probably tried downplayed my Italianness. I mean, I dropped, mm. I dropped Franco. Yeah. Like call myself Frank, because it, really it was just difficult uh, having to spell my, both my Christian name and my surname all the time. So I thought if I just said Frank, then I'd only have to spell easier instead of Franco that Yes, true. So, mm. um, yeah, it was a little bit less woggy, so I thought, oh, I'll just call myself Frank. Mm. But now I'm starting to go back to being called Franco by my children.
1: Yeah, well, that's <laughs> been happening for a while. It has been, yes. <laughs> I think the funny thing is because, particularly Maz, she didn't g- kind of grow up with as much of the Italianness. Like I spent a lot of my childhood with Nonni, yeah. going to church with her and stuff, and I remember a lot of those gatherings a lot more than Maz would have. And she just loves the Italianness, and I think mm. she missed out on a lot of that. She thinks it's very cool, <laughs> and she also looks the most Italian mm. <laughs> of all does. of us. She does. Um, so. It's kind of funny how she's embraced it a lot more, and you mm. probably
0: yeah. I can remember actually um, a party at Angela's place, and a group of us, our, my friends, and and Pete was one of them, and he thought it was fantastic that I was Italian, and he was really interested in the Italianness. Mm.
1: Um, I Are mean, you like mm. well, <laughs>
0: you know, he and he, he we went down to Angela's place, and he was asking questions of, of answer. Yeah, it was late, a bit later in life so it, it seemed to be becoming a bit cooler. It's, it's, it's sort of cool now to be Italian than it was back then, Yeah, for sure.
1: Do you feel cool? No, well, you wouldn't really. let You wouldn't let us name you as Nonno rather than, you wanted to be Poppy, so you're still, you're still holding back a little bit. <laughs> uh,
0: maybe I'm holding back a little
1: bit. <laughs> that's, but that's okay, <laughs> you can be as Italian as you want. <laughs>
0: no, I don't see myself as a Nonno. A Nonno to me is yeah, someone really old with white hair. <laughs> Older. Sorry. <laughs> Older.
1: No, you're, you're very youthful. I, you're my very hair's youthful.
0: very grey, but not white. No, yes. it's not
1: white. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you so much. I'll leave, I'll Hope leave you be. That's me. not too well. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Psycho Cinematic Podcast. If you really enjoy our podcast and want more, don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. For only just $3 a month, you get access to lots of exclusive content, bonus episodes, and of course your opinion matters more to us than those who don't subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook, and chuck us a wholesome review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Goodpods. Do it! See you later. This podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app.